To beauty needs me. Dooney forgot to hear record. She's looking at me. She's like, ain't you starting? I'm like, yeah, when we start. Just kidding. JK, JK. Right, here we are. I am one half of the pod, Talia Griffin, and I'm here with my co-host. Dooney Odumasu. Hi, guys. Hey. So we have some updates. Okay, so first of all, Dooney, tell me about your week, and then I'll tell you about my shit. Pass. Oh my God. Fine. We'll just, go right. we'll just you know what? It hasn't even been a bad week. It's just, it's actually been a productive week. It's just been a little trying. That's all. This has been productive. I could complain and I would like to complain, but in the grand scheme of things, I'm just like, girl, this is just regular life stuff. Like, keep it moving. Not to say that I'm not allowed or don't have the right to complain, but it's like, it is what it is. It's life and life is going to do what life does. Yeah. It's really interesting. People always feel that way. Like they shouldn't complain. And I was like, where do y'all get that shit from? Oh yeah. Cause I'll complain. I'm like, no one wants to hear someone complaining all the time, but if every once in a while, or I don't know, not even every once in a while, but you know, if you should happen to complain about something, like it doesn't mean that you're not grateful for like life and shit. It just means yeah. that right now, you know, yeah. Like right. I, just real quick. Ahead. I feel like this, tells people all they need to know. My menstrual cycle is starting in two days. So that tells you all you need to know about Ooh. how this week is going. You align with my roommate. I'm already on mine. Mine started Monday or something like that. It was late. And I was like, ooh. And then I was like, it came through and I was like, look at God, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Look at God. <laughs> tell you. For a minute, I was like, okay, day two, day three, day four. <laughs> Our panicking, like, shortness of breath. Look, look. Your, your heart start beating faster. Not at all. I do not live in Texas. I exercise my <laughs> right to choose. I'm not even concerned. <laughs> Whatever I do next is between me, myself, and I. It don't even matter. But it came. Moral of this glory is that it came. I'm on it. It's all good. God is an awesome God. He reigns. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but I moves to Mexico. So it's not like if my situation was different, there's anything that I would do about it right now. So it doesn't matter. What part of Mexico are you in? I moved to Tulum. I moved on Saturday. It's a temporary move, me and my homegirl. So you may hear me for the next few episodes referring to my roommate. But we have this beautiful condo. It's an amazing balcony and It has this like net. I don't know what to call it. It's basically netted so mosquitoes can't get in because the mosquitoes have been eating me alive. Mm. I'm allergic to mosquito bites. I have one billion on my right leg and like three on my left leg. They bit Mm. my hands, me and my roommate. That's how they do me. Like it's crazy. Not matter. I can go outside at night in the summer. I guarantee you, I'll come back inside with a mosquito bite. It's it's crazy. Ridiculous. We douse ourselves in repellent okay. and we even bring it with us because it wears off after like two hours because it's hey, so, all natural. These mosquitoes are like the Delta variant. Okay. It don't matter what you do. They going, 
They gonna get they gonna you. Replicate. <laughs> they're, gonna, they're gonna evolve. Okay. Yesterday's remedy is not the same as today's. Like, Look. you gotta keep that in mind when you're dealing with mosquitoes, especially in tropical environments. It's crazy. It's so crazy. But I will say that that is probably the worst thing. It hasn't even been a week and it's already amazing. We live in this amazing community. We technically never have to leave the community, but we do. We take the five minute taxi to the beach. We take the five minute taxi to the larger grocery store. But inside of our community, we have yoga, we have meditation, not meditation, we have Pilates, we have a boxing gym. Our building has two pools, like countless restaurants. I'm not going to tell y'all everything because we're going to need to get on with the show. Tonight is martini night at this restaurant that I want to go to. But I'm like, it's just going to be living there for TBD. What was your thought process when moving out there? How long did you think you'd be going out there for? Didn't. Or was it always CBD? It was always CBD. It was always CBD. Mexico, you can stay as long as 180 days and then you have to like fly out the country, but then you could just fly right on back. Right. Okay. So I'll definitely be in this apartment with her until the end of the month, but I've already booked a flight to Mexico City. And, you know, my friend, you know, she has a boyfriend back in the city that she lives in. She has an apartment that she pays rent. I have none of these things. So I'm just out here, you know, Hakuna Matata and doing your life as you should. Doing all the wonderful things. And I already feel so much better, especially as it starts to get colder in Chicago. Like I already feel so much better by being in this warm environment. That's dope. Thank you. I went to a new moon ceremony last night. Oh, we meditated. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We real different in Mexico. Okay, no Look, hmm, just call me Talia Tequila, okay? <laughs> we, we made candles. We put crystals in them. What was the purpose of the New Moon Ceremony? And what was supposed to come from that? So we're setting our intention for October as the New Moon moves into Libra, which is a space that has you focusing on your relationships, both domestically or your partner relationships. Yeah. Romantic relationships, but also like whatever relationship, relationships with your parents, relationships with your friends. And we set our intentions and we made candles and she told us the different kinds of crystals and you put the crystals in them. Can you share your intentions or is that like top secret? Like people don't share their intentions with others. Uh, I mean, I guess what I will say is I use a heavy amount of rose quartz, which is the crystal of love. So I'm manifesting a husband in a haystack. Amen. A husband in a haystack? (laughs) Husband in a haystack. Why in a haystack? Because that's where they be. I don't know where men are. It's like literally trying to find a husband in a haystack, trying to find Mm. someone that I'm interested in, that's also interested in me in the same way, with the same values. It's just like trying to find a husband in a haystack. I feel like if we stay on this topic, we can stay here for another 30 minutes. We move it. We move it. But I'm interested in like, do you have a list? And what are your non-negotiables? Like, I have to have this and I can't do that. He has to think I'm funny. Like, if, <laughs> if he don't think... <laughs> Yo, I almost spit my wine out, but let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. I think I'm one of the funniest people ever. And my family laughs at me because I laugh at my own jokes. And when I start saying something, I laugh hysterically. Before I get it out. 
And my boyfriend sometimes just looks at me and he says all the time, he's like, you really crack yourself up. I'm like, if nobody else is going to laugh. Look, I'm a laugh. But I'm funny as shit. Like I'm funny in real life. And if he doesn't think I'm funny, this could never work. Because that means you just don't know comedy. Like you just, you're not a good judgment of people. And this isn't going to work. So on your list of must-haves of a husband, got to think you're funny. He has to think I'm funny. Like, people say he got to believe in God. He got to be financially insecure. Is that you got to think, think I'm a comedian. All of that is also on there. But he has to think I'm funny. So yeah, that's a non-negotiable. And I actually, I, I'm not going to get into this other topic. But what okay. I will say is that I met a man with a very nice man who has a different religion than me. And so, yeah, just, I, I think it's. So yeah, what? (laughs) She said, so yeah, so yeah, what? Well, because, (laughs) because I felt like on my list is definitely being, you know, a God fearing man, being a Christian in a way where he's comfortable praying together. I have very specific criteria for the kind of Christian that I want to spend the rest of my life with. And then I meet this really nice guy. And it's not that he's not a Christian. It's that the kind of Christian he is, they only celebrate religious holidays that are in the Bible. Oh, he a Jehovah Witness? He is a Black Israelite, which means (laughs) that... Yeah, and they don't celebrate celebrate Christmas because Christmas isn't in the Bible. And y'all don't know this about me, but I'm basically a Christmas elf. Like, I love Christmas. My favorite time of the year. is a huge deal in my family. I have so many amazing memories tied to Christmas from growing up. I have an idea of the kind of Christmases I want to give my kids. And me and him, I mean, he told me this like date one because date one, he was like, look, I just need you to know you're not getting no Christmas look, gift come December. Look, <laughs> look, I come straight out first dates and I'm like, what's the worst thing about you? And he was like, oh, that's easy. Most women typically think that it's because I don't celebrate Christmas. And so when we got into the religious aspect of it, I completely understood. It's not like he got some bullshit ass reason, like I don't fuck with Santa Claus. You know, like he has a legitimate religious reason that's tied to the religion that he's been a part of his entire life. But this has been an issue for him. Ooh, and he actually asked me what the name of this podcast was. And I told him, so he may actually hear this. But let me just say- Mr. Black Israelite. He's a great guy. But like date one, that was said. And I was like, cool. And I was ready to be like, this was great. It was lovely meeting you. Mm-hmm. Right. And he was just kind of like, huh, well, you know, let's go on another date. Girl, like, they always want to test the waters. They always want to see what can come up. And I don't understand why. I don't understand any of it. But this ain't a romance podcast. No, it's this not. This ain't a beauty ready podcast. For love. It's a beauty it podcast. It's a beauty podcast where we host honest discussions <laughs> on beauty and wellness that crosses color, culture, and country lives. <laughs> yes. Very true. Very true. So back to the topic at hand. We can talk about this all day. Maybe one day we'll do an episode with, I don't know, some kind of love therapist, relationship therapist. Yeah. And how relationships affect your mental health or some shit like that. We'll spin it somehow. No, no. 
we'll finagle that. But with, with we'll this come episode, up, come up with some nonsense for y'all. <laughs> <laughs> what this episode is actually about is about an article based on a podcast. So there yes. is an article in the Atlantic written by a Black woman. Her name is Hannah Georges. The article is called What Makes a Black Woman Real? The Problem with Fixating on Botched Plastic Surgery Stories. From September 17th. From September 17th. Mm -hmm. This article, Hannah was interviewed on one of my favorite cultural podcasts called Code Switch. And she discussed her article with one of the hosts. The other one is, I guess, on vacation or something. So in the show notes of the podcast, this is what it reads. Black women have always faced immense pressure to make their bodies look a certain way, but if done the wrong way, achieving that idealized figure can lead to just as much scrutiny and critique. So today, we are talking to and about the cosmetic procedure known as the Brazilian butt lift and what its rise in popularity illustrates about the type of bodies that do and don't get valued. So I have all the notes and all of the opinions. And I feel like a lot of my opinions are probably pretty unpopular, but I think we both have a lot of opinions on this. And full disclosure, I used to have extremely strong opinions on this topic. And I have noticed that those opinions have evolved. I would say probably within the last year, they have evolved. I thought that this article was really interesting along with the podcast episode because it really kind of put at the forefront that question or really the angle of Black women's bodies, how essentially like we can't rest, how like there's always something that is having an impact on the way that we see ourselves and thus how we show up and our quest to attain what is quote unquote desirable. And as I was thinking about this podcast, I mean, I took it all the way back to like slavery and, you know, post-slavery era and how Black women were used for our bodies and just all sorts of things. And I'm struggling still today with where I land because when it comes to discussing anything regarding beauty, physical appearance, and Black women. It's such a complex topic. It's just as much as we are pioneers in the beauty game and in setting trends, we are also equally, if not more, on the end of like, we just can't win. Yeah. We just cannot win. We can set all the trends, right, with hair, and then white women get praised for it. Our features can be ridiculed and then white women go and not just white women, but non-Black women go and pay for lips like ours and they're praised for it, but we're still seen in a negative light. We are dichotomized because of complexion. Like the Mm -hmm. list goes on and on and on and on. And so I thought this article was really interesting with the stance that it took or the question really that it posed about essentially like, when can we just be, you know, like when can we just be? And now we have women who are going and receiving these surgeries for a myriad of reasons, but it's still like, why, right? Like the why behind receiving it. Cause I used to be extremely judgmental about women who chose to get surgeries done 
and I've started to look at it differently, but I feel like we should probably go point by point, you know, and let's kind of break it down a little bit because I can continue to go on and on about my general feelings on this topic. Yeah. I have a few quotes here that I thought were extremely Mm. interesting. What is Mm. it? What? Actually, (laughs) what I would like to do, because so this article was centered, not centered, but one of the main topics it touched on was the rumors video with Lizzo Mm -hmm. and Cardi B and the dichotomy of the imagery that we see. So Lizzo being a full-size woman, Cardi B being curvaceous and Mm -hmm. known or I don't want, I guess known, allegedly known (laughs) to have had some sort of surgery or at a minimum. Well, she said it, which is the interesting thing. Okay. Yeah. Let me tell you something. I don't know where this podcast ends up. Okay. So allegedly. (laughs) No, she, 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 she said it. And I actually quoted her GQ article because she said something very interesting. Mm-hmm. And so it's like that, but in addition to that, her being pregnant, right? Which is mm-hmm. like another element of body imagery as well. And so full disclosure, I love Lizzo and I like Cardi B. Like I really enjoy both of them as artists. I did not mm-hmm. care for this video at all. I know it was heavily praised and that's great. I don't even think I've seen this video. I ain't gonna lie. I didn't care for it. I'm not, this is not a podcast to discuss my critique of the music video. And I I don't think that that is fair to do so. So I will say that I did not care for it. I understood what they were trying to do. I feel like the lyrics were more impactful, but I thought that that was interesting as well, because when we talk about BBLs, this article actually made me realize you have to also discuss the other spectrum of that. You can't just discuss it in isolation. You also have Mm. to discuss the other spectrum. And then when I thought about it a little bit further, and this may be getting a bit too off topic, but I also thought about women I know who are naturally curvaceous and who have been naturally curvaceous Mm -hmm. from a very young age and Mm -hmm. who have been quote unquote bottom heavy and who have detested that because of the attention that they've received from a very young age. Mm -hmm. So it's like on one hand, you have the glamorization of this figure that people run to get, but then Mm -hmm. you also have women who either just, look, they're so far from that, that they're trying to embrace just how they naturally look, right? Right. Just their state. And then the women who are naturally quote unquote BBL body type, but they're like, bruh, if I tell you the stories of the men who have hit on me from the time I was 11, like take this Mm. shit, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a very personal experience. So it's really interesting from Cardi's 2018 GQ interview. So Cardi B did not have a BBL. She had illegal butt injections. injections. And she talked about how, when she was a stripper, she was too skinny to get a BBL So for $800, all the girls were going to this woman's basement in Queens and she got the illegal butt injections. No numbing. With no numbing. Because she realized that all of the women who had big butts who were stripping, they made more money even if they were not good dancers. And also the man she was with at the time had cheated on her with a woman with a really fat ass. And so her self-esteem was affected. And I said, well... That's not odd at all, right? What's not odd? 
if you, as a skinny person, right, I can empathize or not even empathize. I can 100% understand there is something to be said for being Black, being Black identifying and what a woman is supposed to look like. And if you don't look like what a Black woman is supposed to look like, that you feel pressure to change that. And when I was reading the article and listening to the podcast, it dawned on me that, you know, if you knew my self-esteem issues growing up, you would think that at this point, I would be one of those people. I would be one of those people trying to attain this BBL body type because I was that girl in high school who was super skinny while everyone else was developing. So I was wearing multiple Pairs of jeans trying to look mm-hmm. a little thicker. I used to walk around with a sweater tied around my waist because I didn't have an ass. <laughs> very self-conscious about not having a butt growing up. Exactly. And then I got to college mm-hmm. and I finally got some, some booty and some hips. But the thing that really changed everything for me was moving to New York and being approached by men who were not Black. And it reminded me of, and this is like tiny tangent, of Kodak Black. When Kodak Black became who he is as a rapper and all you saw him with was white women. And everybody was like, oh, he only dates white women. And he's like, yeah, because all through my life, black women were never dating me, only white ones were. And now I am who I am and this is where I'm at. Yeah, because he ain't got a lot of money now. So of course. Exactly, exactly. But the same thing happened to me. Right. When I got a little booty, then all of a sudden it stopped being, oh, she's cute, but she's too skinny. And I could have easily held that shit against black men, because as soon as I got to New York at 21, everybody else who wasn't black was checking for me. So there is something to be said to Mm -hmm. be a black woman and wanting the attention of men who you desire if those men are black men and they don't find you attractive enough based on you being skinny or based on you being plus size. And wanting to alter that. Yes, right. Agreed. And I think that that logic applies to so much. I think it applies to hair preference, complexion preference. I think it applies to, yeah, (laughs) it applies to so much. What resonates with me is, and one of my friends told me to stop saying this. She listens to the podcast. She's like, well, you stop saying you just grew, but six months ago. I'm like, but it's true. Like, I mean, my entire backside was, it was very level for a, for a number of years, you know, it was very, very level. So I don't know how else to say it other than to say it. And then being first generation Nigerian American, when people are like, oh, you know, you African, you supposed to have a little butt. And I'm like, well, I don't have it. Okay. I just, right. And let's not talk about it. I didn't, yeah, it was not there when I was born. So leave me alone. Exactly. So I can definitely resonate with that. And I was athletic. So I had like a athletic builds. Like I really didn't feel like I had hips like that. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, at the most I had some boobs. Well, you got these huge ass titties. So yeah. You know? Yeah. Let me tell you yeah. something. PMS, they balloon. So they're balloons right now. These are- That's what I'm saying. Every, everybody wants everything. You talking about having no balloons. ass, these but you balloons. got these. It's like, you, know? you can't have but, everything, Dooney. But well, neither can you, Talia. <laughs> But I had nothing. You have a a universally pretty face. I believe that is the quote. That does not count. That is not not a thing. That is not a thing. No, but I guess what I'm saying is like, 
that I understand what you're saying. And there's an element of that that is so present in all of these discussions, right? And mm-hmm. then we're talking about this article, it's present there as well. I think what's really interesting to dive into is just the rise in the number of these surgeries. 40,000 last happening. year. 40,000 last year. But I forget what the stat is. You might have it written down between, oh, it has increased globally 77.6%. Mm-hmm. We're just going to round that up to 78% from 2015 to 2019. That's Mm -hmm. in a span of four years. And to me, what's concerning isn't necessarily that women are getting these surgeries. Mm -hmm. What's concerning is the desperation behind getting these surgeries in places that are not ideal. That's what is the most concerning to me. Because there's like, look, I believe very strongly in not telling people what to do with their money. We don't know people's walks in life. I think it's very easy to say that you should have more confidence in yourself and you are beautiful as you are. I think it's easy to say that, but the right. reality it sounds is, good. yeah, it sounds real good. The reality is you don't know what people have gone through, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yes. And I think the essence of beauty needs me is beauty needs you as you are or who you are to show up and there's space for you and you are mm-hmm. beautiful. But I think it's very easy to preach that when you come from a place of having healed from your own traumas or are aware of these things that have maybe caused you some sort of insecurity. So you have gotten to the place where you're like, I don't really care what you say is the standard of beauty. I am the standard of beauty. I don't care if you don't like dark skinned women. There's no one in this world who will ever tell me I'm not beautiful. And mm. for you, Talia, like, it doesn't matter how petite you are, like, you're gorgeous, you know? So I think it's easy when we have that kind when of you mentality. you heal past it. Exactly, yeah, right? Sure. But when there are women out there who don't, and if this is what makes them happy, and this is where I've evolved with my thinking, it's like, who the hell am I? to look down on you when I don't even know you. I know nothing about you. Who am I to look down on you because you decide to go and get this surgery? You know, Mm -hmm. I will always have an issue because I think there's something to be said about the desperation behind getting this type of surgery and going somewhere like, you know, a basement basement in Queens for $800 and then your butt is leaking for days afterwards. Or these stories of women who are going to places and losing their lives. Like that to me just takes it to a completely different level, you know? Yeah. But when you think about Cardi's story, right? Are they providing silicone? No, but like silicone butt injections. I'm sure they are. Like, I'm sure that the Kylie Jenners of the world are not gaining 50 pounds of fat to be able to transfer places. That is probably silicone, right? Mm -hmm. Placed in different places. And so if you're somebody like Cardi before she became Cardi, Mm -hmm. who is working in a strip club trying to provide for herself and she's not making as much money, it's like, that's a different life struggle that as soon as you get this one thing, your value as a person goes goes up. up. And that is like, not only just as a stripper, but literally 
in life, you're now attracting maybe these kind of men who are making shit shake differently for you. And it's like your value is attributed to it. And we're going to touch on those men in a little bit. Okay. (laughs) We're going to come back to y'all in just a little bit, but you want to know what I find interesting. So I may or may not have frequented the strip club circuit from New York to Philly and D.C., Right up into almost every strip club in, in the, the country. You know, okay, so in the early 2010s. <laughs> I so love a strip club. When you look at like there was a period of time where Sin City in New York, yep. my shit, Onyx every Philly, Tuesday, ladies' night, right? Stadium in DC, every butt looked the same. And it was not a good butt. Like it wasn't a good butt. It was very, very obvious that mm-hmm. it was one fake, two hard. It literally looked like dry cement. Like it just, it wasn't a good butt. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But to your point though, there's something about that that people liked. There Regardless. is something about that that people really liked. Because when I say, I would say three out of five girls in these strip clubs had this same butt. Because mm-hmm. I remember one night looking and being like, oh, y'all all went to the same place yes. to get this butt done. And it doesn't even look good and me Mm -hmm. saying that is not like from oh you know y'all should be natural blah 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 no it's like I appreciate the talent that it takes to get up on that pole and climb up Mm -hmm. to the top and do all the tricks and coming down like do all the pole dancing class you know it's not easy it's hard that's what I mean like I am one of those people who feel like there is an acrobat oh yeah (laughs) there's an art to it you know so but that being said it's like that's not a cute butt But the fact that you all get that, like you Mm -hmm. said, there's a value that's associated with that. That's undeniable, unfortunately, especially in those settings. Of course not. If it's no, no, no. If it's not a cute butt, because sometimes natural butts aren't cute butts. Even if you never go to the gym, or if you one of them bitches who work out a thousand hours a week, and you got this muscular butt, somebody may not think that that's a cute butt. My personal opinion is it comes down to the jiggle. There is, you know, when it comes, <laughs> when discussing buttocks, it comes down to the jiggle, okay? Like, what did you it, like, it, it, it really, it comes down to the jiggle. It got a jiggle. It got a jiggle. And let me tell you something. The jiggle doesn't necessarily have to do anything with size. My booty be jiggling. And I'll be like, Talia, get this booty in order. There's this, like, thing circulating around my job Twitter and my job Instagram. And it's like, small yash de shake, cool. small yash de shake, which is basically saying like small butts jiggle, like small right. butts jiggle. And yeah. there's a bunch of like, there's like, I forget what the hashtag is, but you see like women with like little butts doing you their little twerk. And and show, I, I really do because I absolutely, I'm amused. I love it. It's like the best I, I thing I've seen. I have to make I've one, seen. me and my small butt. <laughs> because it's like, you know, small booty appreciation. Mm-hmm. So I absolutely love it. So to me, it's like a butt is about the jiggle. It's about it's the fair. jiggle. So your new booty that you've developed over six months came how? And does it jiggle? I honestly think that it's come with just woman weight. Like there over the are past curves. six months, you got women weight? No, a year. I would say oh, a okay. year, you know? And seriously, like, I think that the curves, I think it's just like woman, like, I feel like a woman, like a full mm. grown like, I am a woman, you know, yeah. and the they not a lot. And does it jiggle? You know, no. And that's fine. <laughs> no, no. And I'm saying it with my chest. No, it doesn't jiggle. And 
I don't care who's judging. It doesn't freaking jiggle. So what? I don't, so what? It doesn't jiggle. And that's fine. <laughs> it doesn't jiggle. It doesn't right? jiggle. No. And we're working on it, but it doesn't jiggle. <laughs> I don't care. I think, it, don't, it don't jiggle. I think all <laughs> jiggle. Like, you know what? I think so too. I just haven't unlocked the secret. I don't know what to do. I think all booties. Like, it got to be the flattest, wrinkled 80-year-old booty to, like, not jiggle. Like, I think all youthful bottoms are capable. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. With collagen. Any booties that still got collagen, I think they could do a little something-something. I haven't unlocked the secret. (laughs) But you know what? That's okay. I still have time. So, you you know. You have so much time. This isn't about me. (laughs) And my non-jiggling booty. <laughs> so is Okay, wait, but I do want to touch on something. Hannah, in her article, she spoke to a Dr. Donna Oreo. And she spoke about, let me get the direct quote. She said, when we are in a world that does not even value body diversity, it means that there's only one or two body types that you must ascribe to, that you must work for, and that you must toil for in order to be worthy. It's not enough to have the perfect Coke bottle body. You also have to prove that you got it the right way because to have gotten it through surgery is to be vain or lazy or stupid. The sacrifice of your mental health, the sacrifice of good food, the sacrifice of pleasure, the sacrifice of you to get where you said you should be means that now you're an even more worthy individual to be with. And this conversation that she's having is in regards to women who work out to Mm -hmm. get these bodies versus women who pay for them. And this is what I will ask you, Dooney. Do you think when a woman has worked out and she's worked out for this big ass booty that you give her more kudos as opposed to if she paid for it. Yes. And let me explain why. First of all, when I read that, I thought it was so incredibly on point. Mm-hmm. And okay, let's also take a step back. We cannot underestimate the role that genetics plays in the body right. type of women, right? We cannot underestimate that. So I think that's first and foremost that there are some people, it does not matter how much you work out, how much you diet, your body is going to be your body body. and there's only but so much that it's going to change. And I think that to sell this dream, particularly of women who do get BBLs and aren't Mm -hmm. honest about it, and I get it, there's an element of like, do you have to tell your business? Hmm. No. However, and I know this is not the question you asked me. However, if you are a woman who has gotten a BBL and you are acting like, you working out is how you've gotten this body. That to me is a huge That's problem because you're yeah. selling, you know, you selling lies because there are a number of people out there. It does not matter how much they work out diet. They will never have that body. Yeah. And if your body goals for them, I just like stop leading them astray. Cause if you get a BBL, you don't have to work out to maintain it. It just is what it is. Right. I don't know. To be yeah, honest okay. that I'm not, I don't know. Back to your question, I do, and I'll tell you why I respect it. Because dieting is effing hard. 
the amount of discipline that is required to live a healthy lifestyle is hard. It is Mm -hmm. really, really hard. And Mm -hmm. I think I was blessed through genetics that up until 34, honestly, really up until like 35, like sometime last year, I really just ate whatever I wanted. I did not work out consistently. And I was still very pleased with my body. And, you know, I mentioned on the pod a couple of weeks ago, within the six to nine months, you know, COVID stuff, my belly is saying hi to me a little bit more than I would like for it to say hi. You know, before it used to just play peekaboo. And now she'd be like, well, we eat and sis. And I'm like, I don't even have morning abs. Why? I was, I'm I was like, why? Like that today. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, why, why are you here? You didn't go back down yet. So it's like, it, that it for me is an adjustment. And I know what to do. I know that I should not be guzzling down red wine like I just was multiple nights a week. I know that I should probably be eating consistently healthier, but I don't always choose to do so. So I always have respect for the things that are not easy for me to do. So people who are able to be consistent with eating clean, eating healthy, exercising regularly, I'm like, okay, that's hard because that's hard. And I am one of those people who thinks that getting a BBL is quote unquote, taking the easy way out. Cheating. Cheating. I'm not, look, I am not judging it. I'm not, you know, but I do think it is because as long as you have the money, it's like, okay, look, I don't like this, fix it. I've been very open about the fact that once I'm finished having children, hmm. I'm not opposed to getting a breast lift and a tummy tuck. I'm not. Yeah. Now, do I think that I could probably, and I haven't had kids yet, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure I could probably eat well and, you know, yeah. work out, but but I think that there's something to be said because reading this, I try to put myself in the position of the women who have gotten, whether it's a BBL or silicone injections, right? So let's say I decide I want bigger legs. I want bigger thighs, right? Because if my thighs touch, then I'm thick. Mm-hmm. I could work out for it. It's going to build muscle, but I don't really want muscle. I just want a thick ass leg. I would probably have to just get silicone injections. How else are my legs going to build fat? My body does not build fat that easily. And so it's like, to me, in that idea, I'm like, well, that's not cheating. That's just what it is. And I wouldn't think that someone who worked out to get a strong leg is any better than me, right? And so it's like, if you're working out to get a strong booty, that ain't got shit to do with my jiggly implant booty. And I'll also say this though, I think there's something to be said. You know, I know I said easy way out. I do think there's something to be said about somebody knowing the risks of assuming that a person is knowledgeable about the risks and the dangers of getting these surgeries and still proceeding with it. I can't imagine that that's an easy decision Mm. to me. Yeah, your body is forever changed. It takes me to... What has Mm -hmm. that person gone through that has led them to this place of, you know what, damn the consequences. This is what I need to do in order to be happy. And I don't think that that's something that we can just overlook. So you just said something so interesting. That is 100% what it is. Like, what does it take to inflict something so massive on your body? Right. Mm -hmm. And they spoke about how there was a meme going around where people didn't have any empathy for people who were dying because of BBL death. 
The internet is a very sick place. When I read that, I was so disappointed in humanity. The internet is a very, very sick place that makes me question why we have it. Humanity, right. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Because the meme was something like some woman died, maybe it was a fictitious woman, and it was like, you could have just had no ass, but look at you, or something like that. And... I thought about it because again, while reading and listening to that podcast, I tried to think of other situations to possibly just compare. But what about pregnancy? Right. Exactly. That also is a choice of something that you are deciding to do to your body. No control. No clue. Over what your body is going to look like afterwards how it's going to respond afterwards and you don't know how you are going to react and if you die while giving birth or die shortly after birth people would have empathy for you because giving birth is this noble thing but also you could have not done it just like you could have not gotten a bbl you could have not gotten pregnant unless of course there was like rape. yeah but our culture the society is very funny because on one hand we're all about vanity. We are all about vanity. Don't nobody want no ugly man. Don't nobody want no ugly woman. Everybody says, you know, I want people to look at my man and be like, yeah, he's cute. Right. I don't want nobody, don't nobody want. Like there are all Very of true. these things that we come with, right? There are mm-hmm. all of these things that we place on a pedestal as it pertains to appearance. I mean, let's be real, the beauty industry is built on making people feel like they need to be improving themselves, making people yep. feel like they need to be younger. And then we turn around and we're like, how dare you go and get that procedure that actually makes you look younger? How dare you go and get that procedure that actually makes you have this body shape that we've told yeah. you you should have or that yeah. we have praised but we didn't actually expect you to go out there and attempt to get it. It's like, but which also, way why is that fake? You know? But like people get braces all day. That's vanity. People wear contacts. Like if we're all just supposed to be our authentic physical selves, the motherfuckers got crooked teeth. They can't see. And don't nobody want no crooked teeth person. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's like but it's like that also is not you those are not the teeth you were born with i was so. listening to naked beauty with brooke devard her episode with black girls text and they made an interesting comment when they started talking about natural hair and one of the comments was you get a blowout consistently and you get your hair straightened. Is your hair natural? And one of the girls yeah. was like, well, yeah, my hair is natural because it's not chemically It's treated. not, it's not perm. That's right. And then Brooke was like, you know, that's interesting because I have highlights and I consider myself natural. Yes. Right? And it's like, exactly, right? So there is It got to be a perm. Disparity. Okay, but then there was another person who was like, but you say natural and even if you rock your natural hair, you're doing twist outs and you're doing things, you're manipulating it so that it's anything but the way that it actually grows out of your hair. And I thought it was so interesting because it's like, so who's making these determinations as to what the standard is? Because just there with natural hair, look at how many variations there are. It's are you natural in the sense that you don't apply heat to your hair? Are you natural in the sense that you don't apply color to your hair? Are you natural Mm -hmm. in the sense that you're not manipulating your natural curl pattern 
to look a different way. Like yeah. nobody wants shrinkage. Let's be real. People don't care for shrinkage. You but know, the truth so it's is, like even if you do care for shrinkage, maintaining it. And when I I'm sorry, need let me clarify, when I say nobody it. wants shrinkage, I don't mean that in a derogatory way. No. I mean that in the natural hair community. Let don't want you, shrinkage. When they see a bomb twist out, they're like, ooh, it is revered. What did you Everybody use? is, and yep. even if we're talking about a wash and go, it's how to get the perfect wash and go. You know what I mean? It's, well, what products Which are I still you don't using know. in order to keep your curl? Like there's so much entailed with that, you know? So it's True. like, there's all these levels and standards that we are expected to meet and keep up with not just as it pertains to body shape, but in every area of beauty. In every category. Absolutely. And I got a good point based off of something you just said, but I just want to say anybody with natural hair. I got a good point. I got a good point. (laughs) But just with natural hair, I mean, my hair is like three different curl patterns. And if I had one, a bitch would probably do a wash and go every day of my life, but they all need something different. And the the only time they look the same is when I have a twist out because it's uniform. Otherwise, it's not doing nothing. <laughs> no one ever comes at girls with twist outs or flexi rod sets and say, mm-hmm. why don't you just leave your hair in its natural mm-hmm. curl pattern? And I'm like, why are you worry? You think I'm going to take your man? Because I might if you keep talking crazy <laughs> to me. But this is what I'm going to say with what you just said. You can't take a man <laughs> that don't want to be taken. Look, look. Another episode <laughs> for another day. You mentioned living in a society that is uncomfortable with women's vanity. And I have a direct quote from Hannah. She says, we live in a culture that is uncomfortable with women's vanity. The idea that women would alter themselves to look more beautiful makes us uncomfortable. Even though we are comfortable living in a society where women have to be beautiful to be valuable, Mm -hmm. makeup, surgery, men love the aesthetic, but they criticize how you achieve it. And that's not just men, that's men and women. But it's also like, that's a very good point. We live in a society that is uncomfortable with women's vanity. We want you to be beautiful, but the best way or the most acceptable way is that you have to be born that way. If you do anything to try to achieve beauty, how dare you? And that reminds me, because I said I was coming back around the corner. Y'all. Come on, let me, girl. Let me let me spend a block. Come on, ring around Rosie. I love how men love to be like, oh, I don't like women. I don't like when they wear makeup. You know, you got all that cake on your face. You got wigs. You got tracks. Now you out here getting your body. What's this silly man da, voice da, 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 you give us? <laughs> like all of me. Come on, me. All. <laughs> I hate your guts. <laughs> all of these things, and then. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, ladies, if you're in a relationship or women, if you're in a relationship with a man who's on social media or ladies, if you have a close guy friend, I guarantee you, if they let you look at the photos that they recently like, a number of them are all of women who have very exaggerated body types. I guarantee you they're not liking women who they claim fit all of these criterias of the kind of woman they quote unquote want. And now I do understand that men can, they can categorize, right? They can mm-hmm. say like this type of woman that I want and this type of woman I just want to have quote unquote fun with. Sex with, yeah. You know, I get that. Mm-hmm. But it's still an element of desirability, 
that we're talking about. Yeah. Because most men are giving women who look a certain way the attention. That's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And we live in a society, again, where, and this is globally, women tend to be valued based on either the man that they're dealing with, whether or not they're married. Mm-hmm. Like there's all of these social standings and socioeconomic, socio-political ramifications or rather categorizations based on the man that you're dealing with you know Mm -hmm. if you're even dealing with a man and then we turn around and we wonder why women are pressed to be in relationships you wonder why women are quote-unquote pressuring for marriage they're desperate Mm -hmm. this is the society that we live in society. society has told women that they are not as respectable if they're not married. Society has told women that it does not matter how much you have accomplished. If you're not in a relationship or attached to a man, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. So it's like, I don't understand how we get confused as to then why women are doing things in order to attract the attention of men. Now, look, I am of the camp. I remember when we had Beverly Naya on we talked about how women have to have a certain level of confidence. I'm of that camp where I feel like, yes, we do have to have a certain level of confidence, but that doesn't mean it's still not difficult, especially for women who maybe have not developed that confidence and are struggling with like, oh my God, I'm still single. Or, oh, I don't have this type of man. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. very difficult. So I don't blame them for feeling like, well, if I only looked this way, then Mm -hmm. men would be attracted to me. If I only looked like she looked, I would be able to attract the type of man that I desire. I can't be mad at them for thinking that. Oh, let me tell you. Okay. Let me tell you this little gem because that was so good. There's this man who I've dealt with and we were recently having a conversation and he said that I am the definition of not being his type's type. Does that make sense? No. (laughs) (laughs) He said it so clearly, and now I'm like butchering it. He said that basically he is not his type's type, that I'm his type, but he's not my type. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I get it. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. And he was like, he finds himself over the past, I don't know, seven years dating. He can get a number. Obviously he got my number. We hung out for like a month, you know, but as I got to know him, I was like, oh, I don't actually like his personality. And he was like, that's not uncommon for him. He was like, he often. <laughs> oh, I feel bad for him. He's a girl. This is, he was- this is. Taking a, a turn. I this is now very sad. <laughs> dry your eyes, okay? He's five. Okay. He's a very attractive man. But you know DMV, whoever you are, we're gonna that. find you somebody, okay, King. You worth it. You worth it, King. We're gonna find you somebody. <laughs> You're so ridiculous. But he's like, he is not his type's type. And it's like, okay, as a woman, right? If I want to attract a certain kind of man. And this type of man isn't coming up to me because I'm just not going up to a bunch of men. I mean, I can talk to a man. I'm fine. But it's just like, you know, you also want to be pursued. So it's like this type of man who's my type is not pursuing me. Who are they pursuing? Oh, they're pursuing women who look like this. And it's like, okay. And if that's an image that you've been fed your whole life, you know, the men who you want don't want you. and then 
people say shit like, well, don't just talk to somebody because they like you. And it's like, but nigga, you know how rare it is that somebody like me. So if that's where you are with it, yeah, you're only going to date men who are actively pursuing you. Yeah. If a man or if the men who you are perpetually attracted to are attracted to women who look like something else and you don't want the men who keep approaching you, you may decide to alter something. Yeah. You may. This reminds me, there's somebody who's notable who, I'm going to just, I'm going to say her name, Demetria Lucas, who I love. And I've loved her since Since the beginning. Since the beginning. I have loved her since 2009 when she was actively blogging on a bell and BK. And when she started the form spring questions before it moved to ask.fm. I love her. And she has a type, tall, dark skinned, handsome, nice build. She has a type. And she has Mm -hmm. spoken about how that is who typically pursues her. And that's Mm -hmm. her type as well. So it Mm -hmm. appears to be a great match. And she says she often advises women to approach the kind of men they want to date, which I think is great advice. Mm -hmm. Now, Demetra Lucas is also on the lighter side of the spectrum, has light eyes and wait, wait, no, let me just, let me land. And I think that there's an element of that. And trust me, she's not like a stick figure, right? Like she has curves. And the reason that I say that is because Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that she's just like your typical standard of like, Universal beauty. Exactly. But she's absolutely beautiful. I've always mm-hmm. thought so. Now, the reason that I bring that up is because I think that it's very common to see darker skinned men mm-hmm. pursuing lighter skinned women. Dooney, she not light skin. She's lighter than you. Is she? Yes, she is. I mean, but even, even lighter than me isn't light she's skin, like, though. Okay. I don't like want to talk about your complexion, you know, because (laughs) even lighter than me is a light skin. She is lighter skin though. And I don't think that men are approaching her because they like, she light. I didn't say that. I said that I think there is a tendency for darker skin men Mm -hmm. to date lighter skin women. And again, I'm not saying this is the rule. I'm a dark skin woman who has typically dated a majority of dark skinned men and I have been pursued by dark skinned men. But if I look at the amount of men who have pursued me, I have typically been pursued by lighter skinned men. So I don't think that, like, I'm not saying I'm going off of my observations is what I'm saying. And I think that not, I think, but I know that I have observed that typically darker skinned men Mm -hmm pursue lighter skinned women. And I'm not saying she is all the way on the like, but you, you think know, side that, of that me, that's why super, she has super, super light skin. A I think better that plays, time. I think Got that, it. well, I don't want to say a better time. I just think that that plays into it. And so I don't think that that's something that can be overlooked. And again, whoever may hear this, I'm not like, I'm not <laughs> coming at Demetria. I love right. her. I'm such a fan. I'm not saying anything derogatory. I'm just looking yeah. at it yeah. from like, you know, a step back 
in an objective yeah. way. But you also right? don't have to qualify it. Like, it's okay. It's okay. I mean, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I said what I said. I yeah, said what I said. Yeah. Like, and I stand by that, you know? Yeah. But my whole point was like, I think that coming from somebody who is lighter skin, I think it's easier to say that. To kind of easier go to after say, your type. I think it's easier Got to it. say that because she naturally gets pursued by yeah. her type. Yeah. From what I have gleaned from reading her books and, you know, mm-hmm. what I've read on social media. Mm-hmm. So speaking of social media, when do you think the transition happened? So what they noticed, not what they noticed, but they spoke about this. We've all noticed BBLs are not tied to whiteness, right? It's not black women trying to look more like a white woman. It's black women and women of other ethnicities Mm -hmm. trying to achieve a look that is supposed to be black. It's the ideal black woman body that is trying to be achieved. And what they spoke about was how a lot of these women are going into these doctor's offices and they Mm -hmm. are showing photos of these women who they want to look like because they are saying, you know, I just want to look like a regular black woman. But it's like, this person has surgery. This is not a regular black woman that this Coke bottle 30, what is it? 32, 26, 36 shape. It's not a black woman shape. And it's like, okay, so when did this become Mm. our reality, right? And when I think about it, I think about music videos, versus social media. Because when I was growing up, I don't remember no BBL bodies in a Tupac video. Like Rump Shaker didn't have no crazy rumps. These right. Like it was it was a complexion thing. Poison, right? No one had these bodies. So at what point though did we decide that this body, this Coke bottle Kim Kardashian body is a black woman's body. But that's what I'm saying. I think it's trends and periods of time because in the early 90s, it was very much focused on complexion. I would say up until the early 2000s. When I think about video girls, one of the video girls I think about is Melissa Ford, Mm. beautiful, beautiful woman who was often dubbed as Jessica Rabbit. And she has there was also Jessica Rabbit. She has a very shapely body, but it was not. In my the opinion, standard. exaggerated. Yeah. I don't know if I would say it wasn't the standard because yeah. she was like the height of video girl culture at that time. But that's time. the difference. That's what I'm asking. So that is when it started versus a, like, Tupac. You see what I'm saying? But what I'm saying is it all evolves over time. It went from complexion to body shape to now with just what social media is it sort of democratizes things. It makes everything visible, right? And it makes things accessible. So whereas before you might not have had access to a plastic surgeon, now within the past however many years, plastic surgeons are influencers. You can type in a hashtag and it easily comes up. So I think that it just, as time has gone on, we've seen that these things have become more accessible. Whereas before, maybe 10 years ago, you wouldn't have even known where to start with where do you go to get your body done. Now on social media, all you got to do is click a hashtag. You found somewhere in Miami, somewhere in New York, somewhere in you know the Dominican Republic. So once enough people start doing that, 
and they're now posting about their bodies, everything just becomes more accessible. And I think as you start seeing everyday women getting their bodies done, you now start, look, with luxury skincare, right? Luxury skincare for me was not a thing until a couple years ago when I saw a woman posting about La Mer and I was like, oh, I can get that. Mm. But it took seeing somebody who I resonated with for me to be like, oh, that's accessible to me as well. Because mm-hmm. the first time I heard about La Mer, I was an undergrad and I was like $200 for some moisturizer. Y'all are mm-hmm. bugged. That's for rich people. Fast forward some years and I see somebody who I consider to be similar to me talking about it. Let me know that that's accessible to me as well. And I think the same thing has happened with BBLs. You get enough chicks yeah. in the hood who have gotten these surgeries and who know each other, mm. like what makes one of them think that they can't get it? Of course they can get yeah. it. Yeah, I guess I associate the rise of a BBL with the moment that Kim Kardashian entered the scene. Me seeing a big booty in a music video prior to, like, and there are specific music videos that I can think about, right? I can think about the I Just Want to Love You video. There wasn't just tons of big asses. Over time, there got to a point and there weren't just tons of, granted, light-skinned women, dark-skinned women. I've seen them throughout music videos throughout time. And in more recent times is when I noticed more recent, meaning like the last, I don't know, the 12 years, you just see this one type of light-skinned girl. But I remember watching videos in the early 90s on, you know, fucking The Box, and it just wasn't flooded with light-skinned girls. I remember watching videos back when Biggie was making videos and everyone didn't have these big ass booties. So I think I'm very hesitant to give Kim Kardashian that much credit because Kim Kardashian is not quote unquote normal. I mean, we're talking about somebody who's extremely privileged, somebody who literally grew up in Beverly Hills. Mm -hmm. Like she comes from a different world. And I understand why people point to her because they're like, oh, you know, she had the sex tape and she's this and she's regular. She's not a celebrity, but like, she also comes, no, from, she, a very, she wasn't she comes from a very different socioeconomic status and background and who her and her family may allegedly be going to guarantee you are the top doctors in the mm-hmm. world. Right. So to me, I don't view them as things being accessible. It's not, no. You know what I mean? Like, I don't view it like that. I don't know that I would say it's because of him that a lot of this was coming to the forefront. It's the rise of the thick non-Black woman that everyone started to gravitate towards. Because J-Lo has always been J-Lo and niggas wasn't getting BBLs. She wasn't giving Black women low self-esteem. And a bunch of Black men weren't just thinking that there were all of these women who were non-Black with these bodies. And you think Kim Kardashian is giving Black women low self-esteem? I think that from then on, you saw, they talked about it on the podcast, where you saw at some point Black men would be posting photos on social media of thick white women. Like, that was a thing. Like, look at this anomaly. Why would I get this black woman when I could get this thick white woman who I've heard all these great things about? I think for men, for some men, for some black men who like to fetishize 
non-Black women, mm. all it fetish size. I think that there is an element of that that's present regardless. Mm. Because let's be real, there are Black men who have placed non-Black women on a pedestal before yep. the advent of curvaceous non-Black women came to rise. Like this, the adage of Black men get successful and they now feel like they need a white woman. So I think that there's been an element of that that has been occurring mm. for so long. Mm-hmm. I think that this now is just an evolution of that. Like, I don't think that Black men just started idolizing white women or some white women or some non-Black women because they have curvaceous bodies because they've mm. been idolizing non-Black women since way before this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they've been idolizing it since way before. Yeah. My last quote that I got from Hannah that I felt was everything. She said, the defensive negotiation against whiteness can show up as policing what a real Black body looks like. There is this pressure, whether you are skinny, whether you are plus size, whether you are thick, to be a specific kind of all of it. If you're skinny, then it's like, oh, you know, let me gain some weight to have some variation of this look. If I'm plus size, let me lose some weight. If I'm thick, let me rearrange it in the right places as a Black woman. Yeah. And it's just like, we can't rest, as you said from the very beginning. Yeah. We can't rest. We can't. And it's funny because the only place that is consistent with non-curvaceous women being the standard is high fashion. Yep. That's it. Right? You got to like, be a supermodel. Exactly. It justifies you. It's like, yeah, that's why I'm like, you can't win for losing. Like, you just can't yeah. win. Like, the only place where it's consistent is the world of high fashion, where you're mm-hmm. not going to see anybody with any type of curves walking well, in unless Paris you, fashion you do, or and then New you York are fashion week. a high fashion plus size model plus size and it model. justifies right. you. Yeah, it exactly. You. Because you're in this late breaking category. There's a reason right. you are this size. Exactly. As if you just couldn't fucking exist. Exactly. Exactly. Look, if you want to get a BBL, (laughs) go get your BBL. Like, I am not going to judge you. I am concerned about the motive behind you getting your BBL. And I would ask that you take a minute to think about that. Think about if you're getting it for you or if you are getting it because you feel like you need to do it in order to be beautiful, accepted. I would definitely challenge you on your thought process there. And I would challenge everyone who's obsessed with working out the same challenges that Dooney has just gave. I also challenge See, and you. That's, we should come back with another topic on that as well, because I'm not even these super fit people, you starving, y'all doing all these things. It's like, I mean, why? Because Yo. the vast majority of people don't want a gut. Honestly, if we're being honest, I feel like yeah. the vast majority of people. So it's like, but there's a difference between being in shape and being like, no, I agree with you. But when I say that, it's like it then is interesting because it's like somebody who gets a BBL and somebody who is obsessed with working out. There's a common thread that exists. There's there. a common thread. and that common thread is that you don't want the body that you're currently in. Yeah. And it has to be improved upon. It has to be improved upon. Right. Yeah. One is deciding to work out because that's the more quote unquote noble route. 
and the other is saying, like, I got I'll throw some money know, at the problem. Exactly. <laughs> like, I'm gonna tell y'all like this. I said this this morning to my homegirl and this guy. If you ask me, describe myself physically, I'm quick to tell you, okay, I'm shaped like a pregnant aunt. First trimester, first trimester, pregnant aunt. I got skinny legs, skinny torso. I got a booty and like a little bit of a pudge. It's like a first trimester pregnant aunt. A little fupa. It is what it is. And I am not discouraged by it enough, disappointed by it enough to really do anything about it. And that doesn't mean that one day I won't. Maybe. (laughs) But not on today. (laughs) Not, Not today. If it starts to wear me down, maybe I'll do that freezing of the stuff off or whatever. What I'm not going to do is sit-ups. <laughs> so, <laughs> I need to go home. <laughs> what I'm not going to do is give up my sweet tooth, okay? What I'm so. not going to do is sit-ups, okay? So it's like, I may do a little freezing. And look, a little I can't cold lie. Salt. Thank you. If my stomach gets maybe a little bit bigger, maybe they could take that fat and give me a B-cup. The sky's the fucking limit at this point. So, <laughs> who, who knows? <laughs> like, I didn't already told y'all, when I'm finished having children... The titties will be tittying <laughs> and the tummy will be tucking. So <laughs> I like do with that what you choose. Look, look. Well, that's our episode, y'all. We done talked y'all to death. Yeah. Thanks for <laughs> sticking with us and all the turns that we yes. took on this episode. Yes. And shout out to Hannah for her amazing article. Again, it is in the Atlantic on theatlantic.com. You can read it. And the title of it, once more, is What Makes a Black Woman Real. <laughs> Until next time, Beauty Needs Me. Bye.